Steve Cleveland's weekly interview with DJ and PK is brought to you by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. All right, Steve. Jazz fans have one worry at the front of their brain right now. Donovan Mitchell missing a road trip. Two games. Lower back strain. Now he was playing and dunking and looking good in the last game, but he was also wincing, jogging up and down the court and was getting treatment both back in the locker room and on the bench for his back. And it's only two games right now. They have made no announcements one way or another about what will happen when they play Minnesota home on Friday. With what you know about back injuries and what you know about basketball players, how concerned should Jazz fans be? Yeah, back injuries are no fun. They're especially when you, as we get older, and I'm much older than Donovan Mitchell, but uh, they're just nagging and they require constant care. And I'm sure he's going to get that um, with therapy and all the different things that they do. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that's aggravating. It's just it impacts your shot. It impacts you're just kind of always have it on your mind. So I'm hopeful that it's not going to be anything long-term. But, it, you know, this has been a season of protocols and injury. I, I don't ever remember more people being out of games over extended periods of time than, than this year. And obviously COVID has a big, it plays a big part in it too as well. But injuries has happened as well. And, and when you're not playing and you try to come back too quick, that can be hazardous. And so hopefully Donovan gets healthy and, you know, the, the road trip they've got, Spurs are playing pretty good. I mean, they've, uh, they're 3-0 and the last three games. They beat the Clippers who were down. I mean, you start looking at people's wins, and it's hard to tell whether they're quality wins or not when there uh, is so much, so many players out because of COVID protocol. But uh, the Lakers, who are horrible, uh, got destroyed by San Antonio, and then the Spurs beat Pistons. So they're, they're coming off of three good wins. Murray, obviously, is, is solid. Pirtle, coming, you know, kind of a Utah guy there. White, McDermott, they've got – San Antonio's got guys that can play. They're playing together. Obviously, got a great coach. So going on a road and playing San Antonio is not going to be easy, especially when they're playing with so much confidence and and they don't have a, a lot of guys missing. So that will be a tough that will be a tough ball game. And uh, but you know we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Uh, Portland seems to be really up and down, uh, and the Wolves same thing. I mean on a any given night, depending on who's healthy and who isn't, but. This is going to be a, a bit of a challenge. They'll have the Timberwolves at home, I think, uh, later in the week. But, you know, if uh, Lillard gets hot and Nurkic plays well, I mean, those, those are two games they can go and lose if uh, they don't pay attention. But they're certainly capable of beating both those teams, even without Donovan Mitchell. But they're going to have to step up and play. You look at some of the Jazz games here in recent weeks, they've lost to some teams that are inferior. And then even in some times of the wins, particularly uh, Dallas at Christmas night, the, the Mavericks are woefully shorthanded. The Jazz get down by 16. They come back and win the game. There's so many games that you play in the NBA. From a coaching standpoint, how do you know when to step on them, so to speak? Or how do you handle... I don't want to say lackadaisical efforts, but you're not playing at your best, but it's still December and you still got so many games to go in terms of, you know, how much do you get on them? You know, that's a, that's a great question. And I, I think in college where oftentimes we don't play nearly as many games, 
uh, we, we tend to, there seems to be more of a sense of urgency. I think, I think in the NBA, you recognize, especially this year, uh, with all the issues health-wise and injury-wise and things that are going on, uh, that you, I think you have to be, remain pretty level-headed here. And I think you just, if you're really transparent with your players and, and you have that kind of relationship, and I know the Jazz have that kind of culture and relationship, I mean, you can talk through these things. And then there are times you need to get into guys when guys aren't giving effort and guys aren't prepared mentally and not t- taking care of their bodies like they need. But the Jazz are not a team that has a history of that. Uh, however, here, here's what's interesting. And I, I started thinking, I had a conversation with a guy the other day, and, and, and they were how, how can this team lose to this team? And first of all, everybody in that league can play. And I, I think we underestimate if we don't see the star power and we don't know their names and we don't know where they went to school and they don't have a history, we just assume they can't play. There aren't, there's nobody in the NBA that can't play. And given an opportunity, they can go for 20 on a given night. And, and especially guys like that, which is happening all the time. Now, every day you read, you read a game, a guy comes out averaging 4.7, goes for 26. And... I don't think they're. I don't think it's so much among the players. It could be a little bit, but for the fan base, you know, fan base can't figure this out. I mean, you know, because normally in a collegiate team, you got seven or eight guys, and the rest of the guys are just there to support the camp play. You know, I don't know what's the number now, sixteen or seventeen that you can carry on a roster in the NBA. And the fact is, those fourteenth and fifteenth guys are chomping at the bit to get in the game. No pressure on them, and and they wouldn't be in that roster unless they could play. Now they're not superstars. But guys can play in that league. And just because we don't know their names and we don't remember them seeing them playing. So I think it's probably more a fan base issue than it is. I'm pretty sure that coaches do a good job of understanding. But even as players, I think when you see six or seven guys missing, there's a mindset that changes a little bit. And as a coach, man, you've got to really work on that. Because all of a sudden, you know, you're down 14, you're down 15, and now everybody's got to. You know, get reset, and we got to do a mental reset. We got to do a physical reset. Okay, we got to get back into this game. And there have just been so many games where teams that you never think would win games would because of all uh, the issues of missing players. But uh, it would be foolhardy to think. I'm not, especially talking to fans. Just because you don't know them doesn't mean you go read their bios and they average 26 a game in college or they played in Europe. Uh, I, I think that's one thing that keeps the, the fans. They, they have a hard time dealing with that. Like, how, how can that happen? They're, down, they're missing the three top scorers. How could they win a game? How could San Antonio go in and just blow out the Lakers? Well, the Lakers being dysfunctional at all, but that's not a game that San Antonio probably should have gone and blown them out. And so, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's an issue. I, I think as a coaching staff, uh, it's a long season. You know, there's a lot of really great coaches in this league. I think guys are most concerned. Things I'm reading now, I've never read before in the paper. Effort. I, I can't tell you how many times now head coaches have come out and just disgusted with the effort, disgusted with the competitiveness. Well, a lot of that lends itself to guys missing, uh, being very inconsistent, guys getting in new roles, and, and when you're playing a, maybe even a different position than you normally play, it, it, it impacts confidence and it impacts effort. And those are the things you can control. You can control effort. And, but, if, you know, guys sitting there knocking shots, contesting shots now, you just do what you can do. But things like effort, attitude, being in the gym early, you're seeing more of that creeping out in the media now and hearing about it 
and and I'm sure it's aligned a lot with with all the health protocols and everything going on. But still, uh, it, it's a tough time right now. I mean, these guys are making lots of money and they got the greatest jobs in the world, but it it is a very very complex. Um, atmosphere within the whole NBA itself. I mean, just never knowing who's going to play on any given night. And that sometimes lends itself to inconsistent play. And that's why the Jazz and Golden State and, you know, Phoenix teams that night in and night out haven't had to deal with a lot of protocol issues and they've stayed consistent. And those are, you know, your three best teams probably in in the NBA right now. So besides the fact they have good coaching and really good players. And I think that's what it comes down to for a lot of Jazz fans, because if you ask Jazz fans, and for that matter, if you ask me, they're not passing the eyeball test. I think they're much better than they look uh, in in the games they lose, and they're much better than they look in stretches of games they're winning. But then you turn around, Steve, they're 11-2 in the last 13 games. <laughs> I mean, that is awesome. That is a clip you would take that. Hey, Quinn, you want to win 11 in the next 13? Yeah, I'll take it. I'll sign off on that right now. So, But I think it comes down to that the Warriors and Suns are playing at a 65-win pace, and everybody wants the Jazz to win a championship. So as good as the Jazz look, they don't pass the eyeball test on what a championship team should look like. And it's only December, so you can't win the title anyway. But I think that's where the angst comes from. Yeah, and, and, and I think anytime people don't understand things, I'm talking about the public now, and there's a lot of things they don't understand what's going on and the, the preparation and the health protocols and the injuries. You know, we all get a little bit fearful about our team. You know, Mike, you know, the, it's a panic button. What's going on, you know? And, and everybody's kind of losing their minds. But at the end of the day, the thing that those three teams all have is they have continuity in coaches. They have continuity in a system. They have continuity in guys that get along with each other. And let, let's not forget that when you're playing three games a week, I, I know they're professionals, they're in great shape, but that does take a toll on your body. And, and who, you know, we don't know about all the sicknesses and the little dings and little injuries. You only hear about serious stuff. But every guy out there for the Jazz, he's dealing with something. It's a tweaked knee. It's a calf muscle. It's, he's, he's had a cold for two weeks. You know, and, and we look at them and just being such amazing athletes and specimens and capable of doing anything, but all that stuff's going on. And, and, and plus the fact they have lives at home and with wives and children and kids and extended family and all the pressures that go with that. So, yeah, sometimes we, we're not real patient. But uh, I think Utah's in a, in a great position. And you know what? Having Donovan, if Donovan misses a game or two, what a great opportunity for somebody else to step up and, and have that kind of growth and have that kind of opportunity. I don't know who that'll be, but they're, I don't know if they're the most experienced team in the league in terms of time together, but they got to be one of the most. So I just I think that the one thing the Jazz have, besides having a great culture, good staff and everything, they, they've got guys that have been in the league that aren't going to overreact and panic. And so as a fan, I, I would my suggestion to the fans is you don't need to panic. You know, you keep loving your team, keep being upset when they don't play well, all those things that fans get to do. But I think the Jazz are in a really, really good position. And, uh, you know, they've, they've got a situation where they, they can win all of these games. I mean, there's no question. I, I, this San Antonio game will be really, really difficult uh, because they're just playing with so much confidence. And, and most people in America couldn't name the starters. You know, and, and so it's it's not a team of a bunch of names, 
Uh, you know, maybe Murray, Dr. Murray is probably the most famous guy. Utah people recognize Pirtle. You know, the rest, the rest of the country has no idea who's playing for San Antonio. But they've come in here 3-0 and uh, and playing well. So don't be surprised if, you know, Jazz going to have to play well to beat San Antonio in San Antonio. There's no question about it. So I think you're trying to put out a message that says stay the course, but yet I know yeah. that Danny Ainge is over there. And he's <laughs> not necessarily prone to stay the course. What's your gut tell you about what he might do? You know, I, I know him as a really, really competitive person in all things in life. Okay, that's just that's his that's in his DNA. Uh, but I also know that. He has been at the very highest of highs in that league as a player, as a, you know, a GM, and all the things that come with that. But uh, I, I think he's going to bring great energy. I think he'll have ideas. They'll be fresh and new ideas because you're always looking for those kinds of things. But And I think he'll have a real positive influence. But I think he'll watch his step. I, I think he knows that even though he's certainly very, very, very qualified, they hired him to get his ideas and thoughts and it's it's a it's a guy that's got so much in his brain about this game and about coaching it and about managing it and doing all those things that he's going to get asked all the time. But I I, I see Danny being a voice of reason. Uh, but I also see him being a guy that believes that there isn't anything this team can't do. I mean that's one of the things in being around Danny is, is and I'm not close friends with Danny Ainge. I've obviously been around him a number of times. But he he has a vision. Uh, you know he he he's really good about. Uh, sharing that vision and helping people understand how they can accomplish things. He's very articulate that way, but I also don't see him being coming in there and, and, and being real demonstrative and all of a sudden being the loudest voice in, in the organization. I, I just, I, that would shock me. But that being said, uh, I, I think from ownership to coaches and everybody, everybody believes in that organization, they can win an NBA championship. And so that's sometimes going to require, you know, it might be fixed through the draft. It might be fixed through skill development. It might be fixed through schemes. It might be fixed through an attitude adjustment, culture things. I don't know. I mean, the Jazz seem really sound to me, and it seems like they've taken care of business at about every level. Uh, but injury here or there, no Donovan Mitchell. If you didn't have Donovan Mitchell for three or four weeks, it changes things. Guys, other guys have to step up, and uh, and that's what's happening on every other team. We, you know, it's easy to point, but. There's been a lot of teams at eight, nine, ten guys in health protocols. Wow, that's hard to win games with that many guys out and that many new players. And you know, we've got these ten-day guys coming in. I mean, it's just uh, you can't keep track of everybody anymore. That continuity thing you, you were talking about it really goes out the window when you lose ten guys. <laughs> yes, thanks, no, I, thanks for that. Hey, I wanted to ask. Go ahead. I wanted to ask you about uh, BYU going out to Hawaii, going two and one. Uh, obviously, uh, Scotty Pippen Jr. They had no way to keep him away from the rim. Goes back to losing the two big guys. Possibly, uh, what kind of a ceiling does that put on BYU basketball? How much can they adjust to that down the line? Well, I, I think I thought first of all, uh, and I watched those games. It's it kind of interesting that they didn't have a championship thing because yeah. of protocols. That's another thing that's probably never happened before. You know, I, I, I think the one thing that BYU is missing, obviously, is a presence inside. Now, I, and I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce his name well, but the Traore kid uh, from Maui, a freshman, six six. He might only be six five. 
I mean, he he is such a load in there, and he continues to get better. Gideon George, who has a little bit of size, is getting better. Loner, you know, Loner had he, he continues to be really consistent. I I kind of thought a year ago that his ceiling would be much higher at this point in time offensively. I thought he could take over games. Uh, and, the, and the one thing that BYU, the four guards, I mean, Nell and Spencer Johnson, the two kids that can shoot it, and, and, and having Alex Marcello and having two point guards, uh, you're, you're in a situation where they're really good against teams that have athleticism and quickness because they match up. And, and sometimes you'd rather not play smaller teams because it really stretches the floor. But I think that there are going to be times that they're going to miss Howard. They're going to miss uh, Baxter because they don't have that presence at the rim. But Traore is just an absolute beast inside, and he's just getting better every day. But it's, it's, it's not going to be easy. And I look at BYU, and you're, you're talking USF has a really good team this year. I've watched them play just because they played a couple of California teams. Like Gonzaga, we obviously know is good. St. Mary's is kind of what they always are, and BYU. So there's not a lot of stuff. Even Santa Clara is a little bit better this year. So there's a little more depth. The bottom of the bottom of the WCC is not great, but uh, this you know BYU needs to win the games that they're supposed to win. And uh, and I and I, I like watching BYU play, uh, but but it's one of those things that it's difficult to score inside. And uh, and I think because there's a presence there, and defensively, I think you know that game, the, the adjustments, you know, he scored his last, he scored the last 16 points in that game, uh, in that game. So you know, just making those kind of adjustments, having people at the rim, it was fun games to watch. I thought Vanderbilt ran good stuff, and uh, they, they did a lot of you know, there was a little bit of Princeton, a little bit of Air Force stuff. Uh, they were really intellectually and just to watch conceptually. I love watching them play. But, you know, BYU had obviously had an opportunity to win that game, and there were some fouls at the end maybe that weren't called. But you don't have a, a, a lot of significant scoring, guys that can just take over games. Marcello can do that. Marcello can do that. But the other guys are kind of more role guys that knock trees down when they're open. I, I will say this for, for BYU. They continue to defend – and their game plans are always really, really solid. And, uh, and they're going to keep themselves in every game just because they can really guard and they play hard. But, they, I'm, you know, in terms of winning the WCC without those two bigs, in terms of, you know, getting into the NCAA I, I think they can get into the NCAA tournament, but I don't think they can do it if they've got five or six losses. So they're going to need to beat everybody they're supposed to beat. Gonzaga is Gonzaga. Uh, we'll see what San Francisco's like and how good they really are. But I do like the toughness of this group. They're always together. Uh, it was it was kind of just a strange thing to watch that tournament and not see a championship game. But Scotty Pippen Jr., he's pretty good. And uh, I didn't know a lot about him until I watched the tournament. And I really like Vanderbilt. And uh, I just like the stuff they ran. And it, it's just it was it wasn't so consistent with because we're in a uh, collegiate basketball is it's everything's about you know the dribble and it's it's very little post up stuff, very little uh, kind of screening action for guys. Everything comes off the dribble and how people read it and react to it, and whether we penetrate and whatever else we do with it. So it's fun to watch Vanderbilt do things a little bit differently. I enjoy watching their team play. 
Uh, but BYU is solid. I mean, they don't, they, they don't typically beat themselves. And I, I think they're going to get into the NCAA tournament. But it's not going to be easy because conference play is always more difficult. But I do like the toughness of BYU's team. I mean, they, they, they got tough guys. And they're, they're going to, they've got mentally tough and physically tough guys. They just don't have the size they've had in the past. Well, Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again in a week. All right, guys. Have a good one. Steve Cleveland, join us on Smart Rain Guest Line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. PK, we don't usually have college football this early in the morning. It's a little weird. I'm not going to kid you. Well, man, when you have a kickoff and you take it to the house, house. you celebrate it. To the house! <laughs> Western Michigan. Uh, Nevada kicked a field goal, and Western Michigan ran the kickback. And the uh, kid got into the end zone and pretty much high-fived everybody in the end zone. There. Are they in Detroit, probably? I don't know where the Ford quick field, is. Yep. Ford Field. Yeah. Yeah. So they had a lot of fans there. I figured they didn't have to go too far with that many fans. So that game is underway. DJ and PK, we are joined right now by Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, why do you think so many guys are hesitant to get their ED taken care of? Because it seems like when you talk to patients, a lot of them tell you, uh, I didn't want to come in. Yeah, <laughs> it's so common. Uh, 70% of men with ED do not seek treatment probably because of embarrassment or stigma. We feel like less of a man. Uh, so common. Here's what I'd say. You're more normal than you think. The worst thing you can do is nothing at all, especially because we've got a treatment that takes all of the negatives out of treating ED. No man wants to go to the pharmacy, take the pill, deal with the side effects. This acoustic wave therapy will open up and regrow blood vessels It treats the root cause problem of ED, and in just two weeks, you could be done with the treatments and seeing more blood flow where you want it, when you want it. What do patients tell you when they finish treatments? Well, I think that it's a a kind of a stress reliever. They don't have to worry about the timing game with the pill. They get on-demand function, so you get rid of that anxiety. They draw closer to their significant other. Ultimately, I think when we get ED fixed, it has this far-reaching ripple effect, not just in the bedroom, but outside the bedroom as well. And you got a special offer for people who pick up the phone right now. We certainly do. Guys, get your ED taken care of. Get the spontaneity back or just improve frequency. We do a lot of that here. Call us. The exam, assessment, and blood flow ultrasound, that's free with the doctor the gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom. You're going to love that. And if you feel like you have a need, this is pretty cool and quite valuable. Blood work and testosterone, that's free as well. All right, guys, if you want to set up this initial meeting, all you got to do is call 801-901-8000. You can take advantage of this special offer by calling 801-901-8000. Andrew and Wasatch Medical Clinic are available for you right now at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you.